not, I'd ask for your prayers. I am battling either springtime allergies or sinus infection or something. It's not COVID. I tested this morning, and uh, it's not COVID. Uh, but whatever it is, it's getting on my nerves. <laughs> and, uh, so y'all pray that uh, I would just get myself out of the way and that the Lord can have His perfect work uh, here this morning. I have a couple of places in Scripture that I want to read, both from the book of Proverbs uh, here this morning. Um, I want to read just one verse from the 15th chapter of the book of Proverbs. Um, then I want to read a longer reading from Proverbs chapter 31. And uh, so if you want to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15, and we'll read just one verse, then we'll flip over what's just a few pages in my Bible over to Proverbs 31. I say flip over just a few pages, but I'm sure many of you are using electronic means of the scriptures. And uh, I got a report uh, from the ordination services yesterday that even Brother Dean Hoskins was using an electronic version of the scriptures, and um, so I think that means it's approved uh, for Baptist use at this point. Uh, but no, we're, we're grateful for all the means that God gives us to be able to read His scriptures. You know, there was a time when the scriptures weren't in leather-bound copies like this one. Um, I'd be up front, and I'd have a box of scrolls, and I would come pick Proverbs, and I would open it up like this. Um, so whether you're reading on one of these or one of these or your phone, um, I'm just glad you're reading the Bible. And, and I want you to know I encourage you to do that as your pastor. Proverbs 15, just want to read one verse. Proverbs 15, verse 33. It says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Moving over to Proverbs 31, familiar scripture and probably not one surprising uh, for this particular Sunday. Uh, but beginning at verse 10 of Proverbs 31, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil or no lack of gain. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night to giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth the field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth out not by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the staff. She stretcheth out, she extends out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her, are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. 
Her husband also, he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. And we'll stop there. That is the passage from the 31st chapter of the book of Proverbs concerning the virtuous woman. I love the virtuous woman. This proverb, this closing proverb, is giving as an acrostic. It's a poem, as it would be. There is one verse that is assigned for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. King Lemuel is telling us how to find the perfect woman from A to Z. Now, there's only 21 uh, letters in the Hebrew alphabet, so not 26 like ours. So don't be looking for that from our alphabet's perspective. But that's what we're seeing. We're seeing an exhaustive list of, of what a virtuous woman looks like. Now, as we read this, and, and I have just two particular areas I want to look at today, but just to give you a sense of the things that we're reading, um, obviously this is for a certain time and, and, and era in the world. And so as we take these things and we try to understand them from the sense of today's day and age, I, I, I've known a lot of women in my life. I've had a lot of good influences, godly women in my life, but I've never found a single one that, that is like a merchant ship and bringing her food from afar off. I've, I've not found that uh, in, in any of the women that are in my life. But when we take and we can see these things, we can apply them in different ways. And I want you to know, whatever it is that you're doing in your womanhood today, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you are, are working in, in some field, I want you to know today that there are, are ways in which this is fulfilled no matter where you are at in your life. And I think we, we are, are seeing a, a bit of a, a challenge today in which we, we try to think that there's just one way in which this looks. And in which this virtuous woman looks. Well, well the woman has to be at home and, and doing all of these different things and and homesteading or, or whatever it might be. But I want you to know that the woman who's going off and, and she's working and she's laboring in some job, she is fulfilling these roles in just the same way if her heart is given to the Lord. That is what's underscoring all of this. No matter what womanhood looks like in its display, when it is rooted and given to the Lord, whatever aspect of life God has you fulfilling, He has you fulfilling for His purpose and for His honor, and for His glory. And so I want you to see that, because I think that there's a, a, a sense right now in which this gets mixed up a little bit. And we, as God's people, listen to me, we are living in a day and age in which manhood and womanhood, the world is just having a field day of getting it so confused and so messed up. And so we must be able to say clearly what it means to be a godly man, what it means to be a godly woman, and what manhood and what womanhood looks like as defined by the Scriptures. And so I want us to be careful. and We're looking, we're applying this, that we're not saying, well, it must look like this all the time. You know, I, I grew up and my mom worked outside the household and, and, and my dad had his battles and he had his difficulties and I praise God how he has worked through those things. But I want you to know if it wasn't for my mom working outside the household, we wouldn't have made it. It was necessary for her to fulfill these roles by working outside the home. My wife right now, she's staying at home. 
And I want you to know there's not one right and one wrong. This is fulfilled in all sorts of different varieties today. And that's what I want to make sure that we're careful to see. But in all of them, it is a woman desiring to serve her family as she serves after the Lord. That is the principal thing. Okay, so I just want to make sure we're real clear here because I don't want to see us, while the world is having a field day mixing up manhood and womanhood, us sitting around and not being able to define it clearly. And so I want to make sure we're careful to do that. But two things today I want us to specifically look at is humility and honor. As I read this proverb of this virtuous woman, what is amazing to me is how... All of it, or so much of it, is centered and it is focused around all that she is doing for others. You see that? I mean, just about every bit of it is focused on what she's doing for others. Of her attention to her family, but not just to her family, but it says also to her, to her maidens, to her maidservants. How she is giving and how she is interested in trying to provide for others. How she is wise and how she is working, how she has strength and how she is looking to be able to provide that which is good to her family to prepare them for times and seasons when they're without or when there's lack was to be prepared for the winter, it says, not afraid of the snow for her household. All these things that is being done for an end in mind that no one else sees, but the woman is confident in her work. And she works and she labors. And did you notice who was the first person praised in this passage? It wasn't her. It was her husband. Did you see that? It said her husband is known in the gates when he sits amongst the elders in the lands. Now, women, you see that and you're thinking, well, that's, that's, I got the short end of the stick. All that she is doing, yet it is her husband, that's the first one mentioned, being known when he sits with the elders and the gates. I saw a taste of this for the first time maybe in my life this year. I was down at Old Union. My wife taught a lesson to the ladies. And it wasn't too long after that people came up complimenting me for my wife. And it's just like, She's the one that taught. I, I, don't, I, I wasn't even there. I mean, I, I appreciate the compliments, but go tell her that, right? And, and I think sometimes, men, we have this, this struggle inside of us because we, we want to praise our wives. And yet there is this in which the husband is the one who kind of gets that, that, that note as he sits in the gates. Women, I want you to know your worth is far above rubies. And the virtuous woman here, as King Lemuel is noting her, it is all of her work for which the husband is able to do those things. And it says that she will rejoice when? In a time to come. Did you see that? In verse 25, that she would rejoice in a time to come. I know many of you know Joyce Binion. If you knew Joyce Binion, that woman was just always busy. She was always doing something. I had never been to her house when her house was dirty, but I had never been to her house when she wasn't cleaning it. 
she was just always doing. Sometimes I would look, and I know her husband would look, and she was he, Donnie. As you can hear Donnie's voice say it, he'd say, "Joyce, you get in here and sit down." <laughs> he wanted her to to rest and to enjoy all that she had worked so hard for. It seems that a woman's work is never done. But she looks forward to a time of rejoicing. I don't mean to keep going back to these examples in my life. But as I continue to call in the memory of Sister Joyce, she was always busy and doing But her time of rejoicing was singing with her family. And there was no greater joy than she had to sing with her family. That was her rejoicing. All the work, all the toil for a three-minute song of rejoicing. Women, I know that your work and your labors are many. And I know many of them are thankless. And I know that you're rejoicing oftentimes. It seems if it is few and far between. But I want you to know the blessing of a woman rejoicing carries with it an impact that lasts not just in a moment, but it lasts for generations. Seeing the women in our lives, seeing the women of faith church, when you get filled up and when you're made to rejoice, I want you to know some of those things are going to have an impact far beyond any sermon I ever preach. And I mean that. There are sometimes I'll hear brothers and sisters will be talking about faith church and will remember and call to memory some sister from long ago and how she would praise the Lord, how she filled up she would get in service to the Lord. Some of my favorite memories at Faith Church are when Sister Cindy would get filled up and she'd be start singing, Oh, what a Savior! And I could hear her voice lifted up in praise to the Lord. And those memories, those are the things that will be imprinted upon the children that are around us. That they'll call a memory. I know that what these churches, what these missionary Baptist churches, I know what Faith Church is doing is right because I saw the impact of what it had in that dear sister's life and the memory that it instilled in me of how she was made to rejoice in her Lord. And so, women, I see your work. And I know sometimes it seems that it is thankless. And you dwell in humility more often than you should. But I want you to know, when you rejoice, it lasts generations. I think that's special. I think there is something noteworthy about that, that it will get echoed throughout all of eternity. I want you to think about what it means to, to, to be humble for a minute. What, what humility means in its reality. When, when you were to look at the Greek word for humility, and that's not the humility that we would see in, in an Old Testament language in, in the Hebrew, but, but using the Greek, it means to have a humble opinion of oneself, a deep sense of one's littleness, a moral littleness. It's modesty, humility, lowliness of mind. So this isn't littleness and trying to think of yourself as less than or, or littleness in a physical sense. But it's a littleness in saying that there is one who is morally more excellent than I am. 
There is one who is above me. There is one who is greater than I am. And when we get the right picture of God, we can toil in humility because we know all that we are doing is to His praise and to His benefit anyway. And so you remember what I said a few minutes ago, ladies, when I, when I talked about how whether you are, are working out of the home or your labors are in the home, that they are done to the glory of the Lord, that's what your humility looks like. And so the proverb writer says, here is this virtuous woman, and she is laboring in humility and shall rejoice in time to come. But do you remember what the proverb writer said earlier? He said, before honor is humility. Listen to the honor of the virtuous woman. So she opened her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praiseth her. The honor of a woman that she receives that far outranks any earthly honor that this world could ever heap upon someone is the honor that she receives from her children and from her husband also. And it's not just merely that once a year there's a Mother's Day in which the husband takes on a little bit more of the responsibilities at home and the the lady gets special favors and and gets honored by by her children showing her love and affection and getting her a card and taking her to a nice lunch or these sorts of things. That's not what the proverb writer is meaning when he says that her children arise up and call her blessed. It is that her children are are raised, that they reach adulthood, and their lives are reflections of their mother. Their lives are reflections of what's been instilled in them. They are brought up, they are raised up, they arise up, and they call their mother blessed. Why? Because they know what has been instilled in them, and what has been endowed in them is what has left them or led them to the point in their lives that they are in right at that moment. And they can say, I am here because of the work, because of the prayers, because of the life of my mother. I can say that today. I am where I am because of the work, because of the prayers, because of the life that my mother lived. And I think she would say the same thing about her mom. Now I know that there are children. Some of you have been children of mothers that were not virtuous women. And praise God for the grace that has been shown in in favor that He has shown upon your life that has led you to the place that you're in. But I want you to know is God's desire for womanhood is one that is reflected in generations upon generation upon generation. It is not a trivial thing, but it is one that echoes long after a woman's time is done here. It says her children arise up and call her blessed. And her husband also he praiseth her. Men, the question then is asked, how do we praise our wives? Now, you have probably heard of the different books that have been written. Um, there, there, there's many of them that you can go out to your local bookstore and you can find all the different self-help books trying to help understand men and understand women. 
I've read some of them, and I don't know if I understand women any better than I did before, uh, <laughs> which is to say very little. Men are from Mars, and women are from Venus, and all these different ideas and thoughts that get pub- published and printed in book form. But there was one several years ago that I think was, was fairly worthwhile. The author was Gary Chapman. The name of the book was The Five Love Languages. And it talked about the different ways in which people receive and show love to one another. Some of you have probably read that book and know what I'm talking about. One thing that I would say about that, though, when it comes to praising our wives, men, men, listen to me for a few minutes. When it comes to praising our wives, it is not just in the, the words that we say. It's not even just in the little deeds that we've done. If you're like me, you see, men, we have this, this thing about us, typically, where, where we do something, we, we want everybody to know we're going out of our way sometimes, don't we? Honey, I don't know if you saw, but I did the dishes tonight. I'm not saying I'm a big deal, but I did the dishes, Right? <laughs> I see a lot of wives looking at their husbands. <laughs> but we do that, right? And it's good for us to take off the plates of our wives sometimes and absorb a little bit more. It's good for us to let our wives know how much we love them, how appreciative we are of what we do for them. But I want you to know that's not alone what praising our wives look like or looks like. When we come down to the fabric of what it means to praise our wives, it is to honor them. It is to show them and to to hold them to a place and a position of reverence. Now listen, with this humility that we were talking about earlier, it is in that humility that wives are to submit themselves to their husbands. But I want you to know, husbands, we praise our wives when we honor her and we honor her opinion and we honor her insights and what she has to say. When we are making a decision for our households, men, we should desire the input and the insights from our wives and from our spouses. God has given us our, our, our wives. Our wives have been given us as their husbands because we need each other. And so for us to think that we would just go through lives and as though we are, are, are kings of the castle with, with sole decision-making power all the time, what we say goes, listen to me, we're missing the point of what God has ordained in marriage. That we have a help that is meet for us. We have a counterpoint of aid that has been given to us. That we are better together than we are apart. Men... God looked at us and He said, He's not good enough by Himself. He's good, but He needs a counterpoint of aid. That's what a help mean is. A counterpoint, a counter to us that is there to aid. That's what we are to one another, husbands and wives. And so us praising our wives, it's not... Folding that load of laundry when we see it needs folding. Men, you ought to do that. It's not letting our wives know how much we love them and appreciate them and value them. Telling them how, how good they look and how pretty they are and how, and how much we love them. All those things are good. But we honor our wives. We praise our wives. When we look to them and we say, Honey, I want you to know I am who I am because of who you are. And we look to them and we say, Honey, 
I know that there are decisions that you look to me to make, but I look back to you to help and to support me and to help me search the Scriptures and to help me search in prayer after the Lord that we can come to the right decisions for our homes. You see this. And ultimately, the, the, the wife, she, she reflects that to her husband when she submits herself ultimately to whatever that final decision would be. Do you see that? Isn't that beautiful? That's what God has intended in marriage. And it is ultimately a reflection of the love that God's Son has for the church. Isn't that terrific? In honor. Preferring one another. Remember that verse over in the book of Romans? I've preached on it a time or two. But how do we give preference to one another? I was listening last night to one of the podcasts I like to, to listen to. The Southern Baptist guy, but still like listening to some of the thoughts he has to share sometimes. And uh, he was talking about submitting to a food choice. You guys ever had that debate? I'm sure you have. You have a family together. Maybe you're going to have this debate here in a little while. And you look together and Everyone says that they want something different than somebody else. And you're trying to come to the point where you decide, is it going to be what the kids pick or what the, what the, the woman picks or what the man picks? We're, we're back and forth. What are we going to eat? You know what it means to prefer one another in honor like that? It means to simply say, it's just a meal. I'm going to submit my preference to another. What does it mean to honor your wife? It is to say, I'm going to give up my preferences for hers. Isn't that awesome? To give up our preferences for hers. Husbands, love your wives. <clears throat> love them well. Shower them with your love. Speak your love. Act your love. But in honor, praise them. Not just by what you do or what you say, but praise them and how you respect them and how you actually value them by how you treat them. You might say, well, Derek, you're towing up against a, a line here that's a little more, more liberal than I would like. Listen to me, I think that once again we get to this place between manhood and womanhood where we try to overcorrect hard against what the world's doing. Listen to me, I, I, I want to I be in line with what Scripture say. That's what I'm looking for. And what God has said about a husband and wife is that the two would be joined together and that they would be what? One flesh. One flesh. And so then, we are to ultimately honor our wives the same way that we honor ourselves. You see that? Think about how, husbands, you look to be respected and honored. Are you reflecting that to your spouse? Children, I know I already talked a little bit about you and about how your lives grow up to reflect but the blessing and the honor and the praise of your mothers. But children, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't tell you that you are to honor your father and mother. That's what the book says, isn't it? 
to honor your father and your mother. Scripture tells us that's the first commandment that was given with what? With a promise attached to it. What was the promise of that first commandment? To honor your father and mother. It was to honor your father and mother that your lives might be long upon the earth. Well, hang on a second. Derek, are you saying that the Bible says that we are to honor our father and our mother so that we would have a longer life? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's what the book says. That's what God says. He's the one that wrote the book. That's what the scriptures tell us. To honor our fathers and our mothers that our days may be long upon the earth. What does honor look like to our mothers? Is it doing what they say? Of course it is. Is it telling them that we love them? Of course it is. Is it doing different acts of service around the house to show them how much we love them? Of course it is. But it is also to respect and to value our parents, our mothers. It is to acknowledge their position of, of, of authority over us. Even now, I am 35 years old. I honor my mother's wisdom above me <laughs> and her authority sometimes too. <laughs> but we must be careful, young people, listen to me, to honor our parents. Not just in word and in deed, but in reverence and in respect. And if you were to ask me, <laughs> I'm careful what I'm going to say here. If you were to ask me one of the things <laughs> that I see that a younger generation is falling short of, it is a lack of respect for those that are older than them. And that starts first with their parents. <clears throat> and so children, listen to me. Honor your father and your mother. Listen to them. Obey them. Heed their instruction. Go out of your way to show them and to tell them how much you love them and how much they mean to you. But do something even more than all of that. Respect them and honor them. What's honor mean? It means the esteem that is due or paid to someone who is worthy. Do you hear that? The esteem due or paid, the actual definition from Webster's 1828 says due to worth. Whatever there is of value, we are to show esteem to it. So some due that we would pay to it. If there is anything to be valued in this life, it is a godly father and a godly mother. We should esteem it and honor it and give it the dignity and the reverence that it is due. So what then? As we try to close, when we think about this humility, when we think about how honor is what follows humility, let's, let's look at these last three verses here of Proverbs 31. It says, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works 
Praise her in the gates. Did you see what it said in verse 30? It said, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. It is the woman, it is the the virtuous woman, that when we think of how she would be honored, of her humility that would come before that honor, all that she would be looking to is that her herself is laboring, working, desiring, seeking, reverencing the Lord. Do you see that? It gets to the end of describing this virtuous woman. And it says that a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. So mothers, today I want you to know, I think I can speak on behalf of all of Faith Church, how much we love you, how much I respect you, each and every one of you. I respect you and I honor you today and I praise you today. Faith Church wouldn't be Faith Church without the mothers that make up this body. But I want you to know in all of this, I've given instruction to your husbands, I've given instruction to your children, I guess I'll give you some instruction too. Fear the Lord. Reverence Him. Look that no matter your position in life, no matter what it is that you are taking on, no matter your responsibilities at home, at work, your responsibilities here in the church, no matter what it looks like, as you serve your home and you serve your family, you serve your children and you serve your husband, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. For in this is the beginning of knowledge and this is the beginning of wisdom and in this will a woman be praised. I thank you for listening to me today. And I do want to tell you again, happy Mother's Day from me and from Faith Church. Someone on your heart. Someone the Lord wants you to say or do.